and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with Wayne and Hannah, who I'm not allowed to ask how you're doing, because Hannah is a party pooper, so, uh, hey? Hey. No, I'm, I'm not a party pooper. I'm trying to enliven the intro. Hey, hey, a new one every week. I don't. No, no, no. No, you've got that one down. Like after three years, you're saying that so fast. That yeah, it's really pretty amazing. I didn't even. And for you know, behind the scenes, I didn't even mess it up this time. A lot of yeah. times, I'll say it like three, four times, and then have to edit yeah. it out. This, I, I rolled right into that. I'm very like, proud of myself. Like, like, the the one episode that. I hosted that you weren't on, I repeated it verbatim until I got to the "you can call me Mav" part because I. I'm not. <laughs> You could have just gone for you can call me that. Since I edit the episodes that I'm not on and I listen to you guys host, I've gone through several times and just listened to you guys mess it up. And every time I'm editing, I'm going, not so easy, is it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I have never messed up the intro. Yeah, okay. It's because I've never done, done the intro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've always been on one or two of them. Uh, you can do it next week if you want. I don't know. Uh, what are we talking about this week? Oh, it's mine. This is my topic. Yeah. Okay, so we had our Valentine's Day show last week. We had a really good show where we talked about superheroes and the way sex and gender is, is presented in superhero comics. And I thought it was interesting, but I was looking at my notes and there was something else that I had been planning to do for Valentine's Day. So I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And so think of this as Valentine's Day part two. And this is sort of a, a spinoff a little bit of our Valentine's Day show from last year where we were talking about crushes that we might have on fictional characters. And then we went into talking about, um, I think, Wayne, I think you were the first person to sort of break open the um, the dam there. We're talking about having, you know, about Bugs Bunny being sexy as a, yeah. as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we like that led me to start like sort of looking into this thing with, um, Disney princesses and, um, Jessica rabbit. And I find it fascinating that even though we have this thing where we like to pretend that children aren't sexual beings, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit, but we, we try we try to make children asexual, like in the way we think about them. We put a lot of sex in children's cartoons. Like just I would argue against that we make children asexual, but I'll get there later. Hey, Brooklyn. Um, well, actually, it depends on what we mean by we. Um, but anyway, so on that show, we had Brooklyn, who is a former student of mine. And I invited her back to join us for this conversation because you had well, you had lots of thoughts that time on sexy cartoon characters from when you were a kid. And then you mentioned a couple in the in the comments. So um, welcome back. Hey, hello. Hey, Brooklyn. <laughs> nice to be back. <laughs> What did you mean by you argue against us calling children asexual? Because I don't think children are asexual. I think we and not we us, but we as a as a culture try to try to force an asexual identity on them was my was my point. I would argue against that very much for the pure fact of um, working with young children, like yeah. going to school for pre-K through four elementary education. Every single parent ever. Oh, look at my daughter. My my husband's going to have yes. to buy a gun. Look at my son. What a ladies man. Ah, oh, yes. Look at those two kids. They're such mm-hmm. cute friends. Let's get they're going to get yeah. married. Do, do, you so have no. a, do, you, do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> You're five. Yeah. Also, yeah. also, let's not let us not forget the creepy like purity balls. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was getting. At. So I think so I, I'll, I'll caveat it then because I wasn't actually saying so. 
Yes, I think that we, particularly with little girls, but with little boys too, we sexualize them and gender them you know, that we push down on them, but we sort of try to pretend that they don't have sexual feelings of their own and sort of disparage or like when they when they do or when they exhibit it, it was like, oh, well, they're too young to think about that sort of thing. That was my I will my agree with point. you there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's it's parents way or the highway. Truly. Yes. yes. That's, That's what I really extreme, meant. Extremely binary genders and their roles from everything mm-hmm. like how like people dress to uh, how toy aisles are sorted but that i guess is not this episode well, i think it fits in a little bit but yes that's kind of thing i'm thinking of and that's probably part of the reason because i was thinking about just like my first thought was jessica rabbit who i think is explicitly a sexualized cartoon character like that's her point i'm not bad i'm just drawn this way right yeah um but then as I thought about Jessica, is she a is she a children's cartoon? Is Roger Rabbit a children's cartoon? And I'm not sure. I would say Roger Rabbit is not a children's cartoon, which is why Disney did not want much to do with them until it made money. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were like, this is crazy. Sure, we'll tap in because we're incredibly in debt right now. Uh, yeah, but this is I, never going to work. Having and been, then it worked, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, look, we built a Roger Rabbit ride. That's so cool." Yeah, <laughs> having been of an age when that came out, I my my feeling even then was it was tapping into the nostalgia that people my age had for watching yeah. Saturday morning cartoons. It wasn't aimed at ten year olds; it was aimed at thirty year olds who grew up watching cartoons. That's yeah, how I, like, I about didn't it. watch it until I was in my teens, and mm-hmm. my dad just because my dad was like, "You're not going to get the jokes in this movie. You're only going to recognize a couple of the characters." Like, I'm not going to show you this as a child. And then whenever I was older, I was like, hey, like, why did you never show me this movie? He's like, I didn't think you'd like it. Honestly, you were you wouldn't get it. Yep. <laughs> so then I finally watched it. Yeah, I think I was like 14 when it came out, 14 or 15. So so I wasn't an adult, but I was of dating age, you know, so like so when when Jessica shows up and it's this little tiny skinny waisted cartoon character with massive boobs. I got what they were trying to say, right? Like I understood the point and you know, I, I think we we try to pretend that, Oh, but yeah, you know, this is fine. Cause it will fly over the children's heads, which. Yeah. We say that a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know that that's like, true. Oh, jokes, jokes in Disney movies that are only for adults and like, mm-hmm. well, it's a kid's movie. So the kids are going to see it and they're either going to ask or they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that like, just because it's adult, it's an adult joke doesn't mean the kids can't understand it either at that point as they get older or wind up asking questions like, oh, like the the Anna and Kristoff example mm-hmm. that you yeah. had written. Yeah. So for people who haven't seen Frozen 2, there are a couple of points throughout the plot where Anna, who's the main character, Elsa's sister and her boyfriend, Kristoff, Kristoff is trying to propose marriage. But every time he gets close, they get distracted by something else. Sometimes it's, uh, it's having to go fight a villain. Other times it's just Anna clearly wanting to have sex. There are a lot of points where she's really, really, you know, basically trying to get him to go off to the bedroom or they're trying to get rid of Elsa and Olaf, the other characters, so they can fuck. And it's not me projecting sexuality on a, on a kid's cartoon. That's what's going on. She's like, well, it's bedtime, right? Let's go to bed. Everybody, it's bedtime. Hint, hint. And the, or she'll say stuff like that. Or there's one point where she very strongly implies that she and Kristoff are into leather and bondage. And I'm watching this movie with uh, my wife, my brother-in-law and my at the time um, eight year old niece <laughs> and, <laughs> who had taken uh, and I was, 
just I remember sitting there in the movie theater going, well, that's a choice. Okay. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think that Disney princess movies especially love to throw in sexual innuendos, um, partially for the parents and partially in the sense of like, well, we know kids are straight, so this will make them feel better about the fact that they like girls that look like this. That's what it feels like to me. Like whenever I was younger... The movie that always got me, the scene specifically was Slave Jasmine in the handcuffs, in the red. Mm-hmm. It like that was such a scene where I was like, uh, excuse me, um, what is going on? Like little little tiny Brooklyn was like, there's a lot to unpack here and I don't know what any of it means. How old were you okay. when that movie came out? I wasn't born when that movie came out, Matt. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. Okay, how were you when you watched it? Were you really not born um, when the movie came out? My first, I, like, I actual memory of watching it, I was probably, like, four years old. Okay. It came out in 93. I was born in 97. Okay, so... So I when you were four, you. yeah, that's, that's not, yeah that, that was my thought. I was like, "Oh, screw you!" So when you, so when you saw it, I mean, so you're you're saying you were not aware of what was going on. Like you, I, you knew you I knew something was going on. Feeling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's kind and of what I'm getting at. And I think at. part of that, not to not to pull the rainbow card here, but I think part of that was because. I was very comfortable in the idea that it was normal for people to like all people Mm -hmm. like little tiny Brooklyn didn't know she was bisexual. She just thought everyone was pretty and she should date everyone. Okay. That, that was the thought process that I had growing up, not for any specific reasons. I would love to blame cartoons. In fact, I always make jokes that I'm like, Hey, that cartoon character is the reason why, like I make those jokes all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Slave Jasmine and Megara from Hercules are are way up in that list. Mm-hmm. Meg with her Wayne, how old would you have been during the um the Bugs Bunny days? Well, Bugs much, Bunny like, days, yeah, much like Brooklyn, I wasn't born when they right first when came you were out. watching them. I mean, <laughs> but, but, but when I was watching, I was them, watching Bugs Bunny movies very very young. My dad yeah. loved classic mm-hmm. cartoons. My yeah, favorite I mean, they, movie growing up was The Mask, so I was okay. raised on that like classic cartoon animated comedy that that you see in that movie Mm -hmm. i mean they they were a staple of saturday morning like every year there would be the new cartoons that premiered but but Mm -hmm. just the, the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Bugs, show, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner, Bugs Bunny and Porky, whichever, whichever they called it that year. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was yeah. just, it was a staple that ran for years, and mm-hmm. and you'd see the same ones over and over. But you know, I was a kid, so you wanted to see the same ones over and over, and mm-hmm. you couldn't do it on streaming devices or VHS or whatever at the time. You had to wait for mm-hmm. them to play the Barber Seville again. Um, but, and you you think but, you were aware of the sexiness of? Well, yeah, you know, to some to some degree, absolutely, because I in the. You know, when one of our text threads, we were talking about this, and there were this was not but funny the the Tom and Jerry stuff. There were some really very sexy cats in Tom and Jerry cartoons. Um, yeah, yeah. Bugs doing the cross dressing thing in in the opera. What's opera doc episode? I mean, Man, that, that one, was the funniest that, episode yeah, ever. I mean that that one specifically, but it's not like Bugs was a stranger to cross dressing. Just whenever some of that comes from just trickster mythology you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how aware the creators were of that sort of thing but really he, yeah he, well, yes very I, I think some of the yeah absolutely i mean we have coyote and hair as two of the main characters in the in the oh yeah no that stable. i agree with you but i'm talking about like um, how aware they are I mean, oh, oh yeah. how aware they were of the of the trickster not that they yeah, were right, being sexy right, right. Gotcha. because okay. you know, i mean one of the things you know coyote or hair or any any trickster figure in mythology does cross-dressing cross-gender sort of thing sure. is is a pretty common loki as a prime example loki's the trickster figure of Norse mythology and mm-hmm. he's you know 
been male, he's been female, he's been a horse, I, you know. Uh, so, so you know, I that, and I wasn't aware of that when I was eight. Mm-hmm. But that it just seemed like such a natural part of Bugs Bunny's character. Like you, you like, oh look, Bugs is wearing lipstick again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of classic cartoon characters did a decent bit of cross-dressing, whether it was like a, you know, they got hit by a makeup cart and turned into like Marilyn Monroe for three seconds, mm-hmm. or it was intentional to the plot that like they had to disguise. Like, I feel like I saw that in almost every cartoon character, like even like the Roadrunner, like mm-hmm. at some point would have some kind of like lipstick and long eyelashes for some reason mm-hmm. with like, like the, yeah. with like the sexy music in the background. <laughs> yeah, Like Robin Hood, uh, the Disney Robin Hood. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely like cross dress um, at one point in disguises oh, yeah. with a villain heist. Um, yep. Well, Hannah, same question for you then. So you, when do you think you were aware of sexy as a cartoon character thing? Um, I mean, like, like you know, like romance is so embedded in like Disney princess movies, which I I don't remember a time when I wasn't watching them, and actually I don't remember a time when I wasn't watching Bugs Bunny um, Saturday mornings because Cartoon Network was a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like uh, it, it just I think it's always just sort of like been there. I didn't always totally understand it, but like you know, even like stuff with like. Um, back to that, you know, Jasmine Jafar scene or even like Frollo and Esmeralda, like that, like the Disney movies like made oh. even like that violence so obvious that like uh, they were that, so rapey that yes. that Frodo scene where he's like, man, I really want to rape this girl, but I'm going to sing yeah. about it in a church. <laughs> Scarred me for life. Oh, that, <laughs> hey, like you know, the, that movie is rated G and I don't understand how. And I'm not saying they should have toned it down because they definitely like toned the book down, um, mm-hmm. which is extremely depressing if you've never read it. Um, I have a lot of things to say about the movie, but that maybe not <laughs> be the time. Um, but yeah, like like it's it is very aware. And I also remember uh, going to Blockbuster. Remember that was a thing? Some of you, some of you <laughs> listening are probably like, no. Um, you don't Blockbuster, know Blockbuster existed is. before I was born. You can you can watch Captain Marvel um and see. <laughs> um so um <laughs> I went to Blockbuster and I like I liked unicorns as like young people do. And I was like, ooh, the last unicorn, this sounds like a fun movie. Uh oh, wonderful movie. Yeah. Um, yes. But also like lots of like sexy stuff, like nudity at one point. And uh, my memory of that is my mother taking it back. Uh, she let me finish it, uh, but taking it back and being like, maybe you should like warn parents because this is rated G and this is not G rated content. Also Sailor Moon, lots of like, like Sailor you know, Moon was like off the chart sexual. And I say yes. that in the best way possible because mm-hmm. I adored it. I loved it. I was like, this is great. The girls are magical and swirling around and they come out in like mini skirts and what's up with tuxedo masks for some reason. I want to marry this thing. Like it was great. So there's two things you're talking about there, right? So first off, Sailor Moon is weird because my understanding is the, and again, I'm not a Sailor Moon aficionado. Uh, anime is a weak point of mine. I, I enjoy it, but I'm not an expert. Um, I have seen it. I have seen some of the original Japanese and I've seen some of the American version, but not enough to like know for sure. But my understanding is the American version is heavily edited and censored and toned down. Uh, if you're referring to um, 
in particular, the relationship between Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus, then yes, in the US yeah. version, when they edit, when I was a kid, they were, quote, cousins, but uh, in the original, they were dating. Um, yeah, yeah, cousins who sleep in the same bed sometimes. Yes, that's the thing. Um, Super <laughs> but, casual. So even without that, though, you're saying that it was it was implied sexual enough to you're aware of it as a as a little girl seven or eight or whatever you were watching it. I mean, the one thing in particular I really loved about the anime series, like even when they like toned things down or just completely changed them, you there, there was like energy between all of the like female characters. Like I know tuxedo mask is like the main romantic interest, but it was really about the relationships between women. And I mean, I'm saying this now as like almost 30 year old, um, who's like, who knows words like homosocial now, but like, you know, you know, as a kid, like you can read stuff into it. Like I read Moby, not a cartoon, but I read Moby Dick and I was like, Oh, main character and Queequay are in love. Like they're sleeping in the same bed. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I thought all of the girls, but Sailor Moon and, um, Oh, why am I like blanking on Minnie Moon's name? I just always called her, called her Minnie Moon. The like, the like little one, the like actual child. Yeah. Rennie. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, like, like, thank you. Yeah. Everyone but those two in my mind, I was like, man, all those girls love each other so much. There's no other male characters because they love each other. And like, that's just what I believed. Mm-hmm. That's just what I was content with. Sandy Cheeks, also, if we're going to talk about like more westernized media, Sandy Cheeks in my mind was, was a was a queer woman. Like there was no way in my brain that Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob enjoyed men because she thought they were all stupid. And I was like, well, then clearly she must have a wife back on land where she's from. <laughs> it's like, that's that. Mm-hmm. So how old are you at this point when you're watching these? Um, I watched a lot of media mm-hmm. just in general at a very, very young age. because I was the younger sister. Uh, my parents were pretty much already split up like right out the gate. So my dad bonded with us over media. My mom bonded with us over media because it wasn't like a one parent can watch you while the other one's doing something. So it was like, Hey, watch this thing while I go do adult stuff, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I had no problem with that, but I watched everything from SpongeBob to sailor moon to classic bugs, bunny cartoons to whatever shows on like teen Nick Mm -hmm. um, that I shouldn't have been watching all at like the same time, like ages three to 12. I watched the same genres of media because whatever my sister was watching and whatever her friends that were older than her were watching, I wanted to watch, but I also wanted to watch age appropriate stuff. So I was watching like Degrassi at the same time that I was watching Dora. And that's not an exaggeration. (laughs) Like I'm not pulling those names out of my ass. That was a real like day in my life. I'd wake up and watch Dora Mm -hmm. with breakfast. And then by 3 p.m. I was like, let's watch Degrassi. So I'm not convinced that's weird is the thing, right? Because so, I mean, I was the oldest. Uh, Wayne, you're not the oldest, but your brother's like enough I, older than you that he's a, that you are effectively an older child, only child. Your brother's yeah, like 20 years yeah. older than you, right? Yeah, yeah, my, so, yeah my, my, my living circumstances were essentially a child. Yeah, right. So even so the thing where people are like, well, there's children's content, children's specific media as a thing is is relatively new, right? Like there were Saturday morning cartoons when parents were asleep. 
But like the idea of having, you know, a network like Nickelodeon was like brand new in the 80s. And certainly the idea of having, you know, 40 of them like we have now to where you can watch Nick or you can watch, you know, Cartoon Network or PBS Kids or whatever. That wasn't like a thing. So I don't think it was weird to watch. Like, I I think the the invention of, well, kids shouldn't be watching grown up stuff. That's like a thing that happens, I think, in the mid and late 90s where we just sort of I think it's super recent. Certainly in my mid teens, I was watching Saturday morning cartoons on Saturdays and watching the sitcom Soap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, Um, right. Yeah, which had definitely much more adult content. Well, Last Unicorn, you know, Hannah said it's it's rated G. I was eight when that came out and I saw it. And yeah, okay, so sure, it's got sex in it and nudity, but it's not it's not porn. It's a beautiful movie, by the way. If you haven't seen Last Unicorn, you should. It's really good. But it's really good. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a I mean, I guess I'd say it's a family film, but not the way we use the word family film in 2021. Right. It's a film that's sort of made such that anybody can watch it. And yes, there's a naked girl in it at one point because there's a unicorn that gets turned human and she doesn't have clothes when she first gets turned human. And they decided to depict that by just drawing her naked. But it's not like they zoom into her genitals or anything. She's just wandering around till she finds clothes. Isn't you know? that what happened in Splash, but less explicit? It's about the same. Yeah. Honestly, it, 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 like you like you don't see a lot. You, you see, you know, you see an occasional boob which in Splash was just when Daryl Hannah happened to be facing forwards. Mostly her hair was covering it. And Last Unicorn, same thing, you know, but they tried to make it natural. It's not, it's not, it's... It wasn't Titanic type zoom in on the titty and pan down. Right, right. It's like, it's like, I don't know that it's even sexy. I mean, it is in that I think it's beautiful, right? I'm trying to, like, I don't want to say it's unsexual, um, but it's a romantic story, but I wouldn't call it a sexual story, right? Like you're not going to. I would agree with you because in terms of going back to our previous example of Jessica Rabbit, um, Mm -hmm. watching Jessica Rabbit fully clothed is significantly more sexual than watching Madison the Mermaid naked. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, like, I mean, so Jessica I, Rabbit. I understand what you're trying to communicate. Yeah. yeah, she's specifically trying to seduce Eddie Valiant, right? Like that's a and and as a tease, right? Because she's it turns out she's actually completely faithful to Roger, but she is explicitly using her her sexuality to turn him on for a desired effect, a la femme fatale in any de- detective movie. And mm-hmm. that movie doesn't make sense if you don't understand that. And they knew kids were going there. So kids are supposed to understand, oh, um, men are stupid. If you put boobs in their face, they will do anything for you. Got it. I understand the plot to this, right? Like that's, yeah, there's that's a whole her storyline. in the movie Hairspray about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're supposed to get that in Roger Rabbit, right? Like how, like, I don't, uh, I don't know that there's an, I think you can watch Frozen 2 and, and the Anna bondage jokes can go over your head and it's fine. I don't think that you can do that with Jessica Rabbit in 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 Roger Rabbit. I think that you have to understand that she's using sex to get what she wants or the character doesn't make sense. I agree. And I think the same way in terms of uh, sexual violence with um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame and yes. with Aladdin, you have to understand that whenever a creepy guy with an absurdly large nose wants a woman to be more naked, it's mm-hmm. because he's a villain. So you have to have sexual awareness there. Mm-hmm. Or it's not a cartoon, but Princess Leia in, in Return of the, in, um, Return of the Jedi. Yes. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So 
Which so, she hated that outfit for. Yeah, well, for Carrie. Well, yeah, and so I get that, right? And but I wonder how much awareness do cartoons assume you have? So for mine, for instance, again, I'll name another non-cartoon. But um, when I I was in love with Daisy Duke when I was eight and that show started because I was supposed to be like, I don't know that I understood exactly what sex was, but I knew at eight years old, I wanted to have it with Daisy Duke. Like that was, (laughs) that's what she, (laughs) like, like that, that was clear to me. Like I understood what was going on when she's like flirting and leaning over in order to get, you know, in us to do what she wants. Right. Like that's. And I understand. Yes. And, and I think that I think that you're supposed to get that same thing, even in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Right. When Bugs is flirting with Elmer dressed up as a as a lady, that's the story. Right. So if we do that, why do we get so upset about the very idea of of, oh, well, we can't have you. you this is too sexy for a kid like you, H- Hannah, your mom. Right. Like your mom would have had a problem with Last Unicorn because because it's uh, it's specifically a naked lady. I mean, because you're certainly watching other things that we just mentioned that have right. oh, sexuality. She, she, in them. Just, she just did not think that the rating matched the content. Like she, she didn't let me watch. Actually, a uh, better example for that, I think, uh, she did not let me watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame for many years uh, before after it came out because of the content, and she was aware of it because mm-hmm. she knew the um, story. She knew the story, and um, you know, you know, like. I'm not a parent. Um, we've had other shows where I've speculated what I would think if I were a parent. I, I can't really like mm-hmm. sure for that because I mean, at like what age do you want to like have a conversation with your daughter about rape and, right. and, you know, just like, like how do you, you know, and, and how you handle that responsibly? I don't know. I'll figure it out mm-hmm. one day maybe, or, you know, just stay with my cat. I mean, most parents don't have that conversation. They leave that up to schools. I'm going to be completely honest with yeah. you. They want schools to sit kids down in an auditorium and be like, no means no. And don't have sex ever. And parent, most parents don't have that conversation, or at least they didn't 15 years ago when these quote unquote sexy cartoon characters were starting to phase out. Mm-hmm. Whenever I look at like current cartoons, they are lacking that woman does sexy thing to get her way a man who does sexy thing is either evil or is the joke good guy like that those characters are lacking in directly kids media today because i think we've kind of seen the problem but that doesn't mean they aren't around Mm-hmm. Before I um, back up that statement, I will I will say that you know my my parents did have those conversations with me, and I really appreciate them. Um, so you know that was good. But um, yeah, like it, you know, looking at like the sexy character doesn't work. Like look at um, maybe like Tangled um, mm-hmm. the writer. Like he tries like the sexy smoldering thing, and it does not work for him whatsoever. Almost um, as like critics who like actually like study cartoons, almost stereotypically like Prince Naveen um, in Princess and the Frog is a flanderer, um, which is deeply unimpressive. Um, and he must grow out of that behavior. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. I guess the the man that relies on sexy is definitely still a trope. I just I just choose to ignore it. <laughs> but it's oh, but it's it's broken. Like like the movies themselves. Like to back up your point, like the movies themselves are like this doesn't work. Like these women are unimpressed by this. They must grow. 
uh, as yeah. people. I guess, and like you know, the villain of the first Frozen movie is even even like I wouldn't say he's necessarily sexy, but um, you know, they, he definitely they, thinks he is. He definitely he's using sexuality. I mean, his entire point is to you know seduce Anna. That's his. That's his. His game is to I'm going to make this stupid girl fall in love with me and then take her kingdom. That's that's the plan, right? Yes. By kissing her. I mean, that's essentially what he tries to do. He kisses her into love. Then he well, doesn't never kiss. kiss. That's the he whole does. thing is he's like, I won't even kiss you. You're not even good enough for that. And then she's oh, that's right. They don't. He just yeah, he just flirts with her. Huh. Yeah. And, and then he, he just doesn't, flirts with her yeah. and proposes. And like he leaves her to die because he doesn't kiss her, um, which mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he, he's a jerk. <laughs> So love the actor, not gonna lie, love the voice actor. <laughs> Why do they not let him sing? But anyway, um, I don't know. He's so talented. I'm mad about it. Anyways, so you guys were starting to talk about male characters being not the same. And you know, Brooklyn, you said they're you know it's the joke, right? They're either evil or it's the joke that they're sexual. And yeah. I was trying to think of I was trying to think of examples in Western animation when I wrote the blog post, right? Um, Because I mentioned Tuxedo Mask. Tuxedo Mask's job is to be sexy. Tuxedo Mask's job is to, you're supposed to watch this as, you know, as a nine-year-old girl and discover feelings that you didn't know you had. That's, that's what, that's what he's there for, right? And you said you knew that you're supposed to like him, right? Like, you understood that watching it as a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we, I mean, I don't know that we have, at least not in mainstream heterosexual children's cartoons in America. I don't know that we have a lot of other examples of that. I was trying to think of some like I like I think that you're definitely supposed to appreciate even Elsa and Anna, who, you know, like Disney is trying to to make their princesses be a little more than just male gazy, particularly since they're marketing so much towards little girls. But you're still supposed to think you're supposed to think they're attractive, right? Like that's yes, that's undoubtedly Little, Mer- little Mermaid. The whole gimmick is that she's hot. You know, you can be hot. You don't have to be able to talk. That's like the story right ursula did nothing wrong 2k21 i'll argue that for the rest of my life she was just a beautiful drag queen who was trying to show that clearly your man don't care about you he's gonna marry me he didn't even talk to you and you're gonna you're gonna give up your life I'm just going to anyway. plug our friends at, at, at our, our friends at Disney animated Minute <laughs> <laughs> um, essentials just cause uh, Hannah, I think you're maybe on next week on that show, but, <laughs> but, but, but yes, we, we, um, there's a whole podcast devoted to discussing uh, the screwed upness of little mermaid, which by the way is my favorite Disney movie. But anyway, it's great. I'm not going to tell you it's not great. Yes. But, um, it, but I don't, do we have equivalent, male characters at all where where okay. sexy is a thing okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put it forward everyone's gonna shoot down probably but i think i think hercules kind the disney kinda. is kind of kind of and here's why i'm going to shoot it down as i say it well he like in in the movie the muses um and other characters like definitely like are like yeah he's hot he's hunkulies and they are super into him and he has the muscles and like the and they fight over his sweatband yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah and they yeah they, yeah they like literally steal his clothes like you know people used to do to teen boy bands I think I don't know I, I mm-hmm. didn't really pay attention to teen boy bands um I missed out <laughs> it I, was a shout to NSYNC 
Um, yeah. So if you want to talk about a piece of culture, I just don't know about uh, teen pop music of the nineties. Anyway, um, but I think that the movie and, and like, you know, Meg um, definitely like um, as Brooklyn mentioned, um, definitely uses her sexuality in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like, like what Hades wants her to do um, multiple times. Super creep again, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, Greek mythology, super creep. Mm-hmm. Um, just 100%. They really toned that stuff down. Um, yes, also a did. movie. Also a movie my parents were very concerned about me watching because they knew Greek mythology. Anyway. Um, See, my parents didn't know it. And by the time I was 18, I already had a Hercules tattoo. So like, oh boy. <laughs> the two paths. They missed about on Greek mythology. <laughs> um... But, uh, you know, in that movie, like, he becomes attractive to Meg once she realizes that he has a heart of gold. So, like, the attractiveness of him, I think, is less of, like, his, like, sexy exterior and, like, Mm -hmm. his soft interior. And I think that that is also, like, what Disney does with a lot of the, quote, like, I guess actually, like, post-Little Mermaid princes, like, Aladdin, um, like, Sure, he's a liar, but besides that, like he's really a good guy. Um, you know, being, speaking of the nippleless, shirtless man that he is, mm-hmm. Aladdin. Eric, um, Eric in, in Little Mermaid's a good guy. He's just stupid, but he's a but he's but he's yeah, but very she, good. No, no, but well, that, she, that's, that's a really weird thing for him. He she falls for him because she looks at him for like ten oh, seconds. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I kind of like the, the 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 like. It's overly emphasized that they're attractive yes. and yeah. they're the people like develop relationships because they like bond in an emotional connection. He's literally the only boy she's ever seen. So yeah. <laughs> so that that's a problem that I see with a lot of like quote unquote attractive characters in Disney specifically is unattractive men equal evil Mm -hmm. unattractive women equal jokes or evil similar to like Mm -hmm. real person movies where like you have like the designated ugly fat friend like there's there's always one of those no matter how much screen time she has see this Um, this is a trope that goes way beyond animation that sort of thing our one of our our absolutely yeah one of our regular guests mike chemers has written about this sort of thing extensively just the whole Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, for him, some of it falls under disability studies. It, but yes, it, it's it's that ugly as evil. Yeah, it, yeah. Ugly, ugly disability is, evil. is a lot of it. Also, has to do with um like queer coding. So mm-hmm. many villains are coded queer and also coded ugly and are evil. Well, and there's, and there's you you mentioned the the big nose guy, whatever, and you know, in uh, yeah, that gets into racism and that gets yeah. anti-Semitic sort of things. Yeah, well, oh, anti-Semitic and uh, and other cultures. Uh, yeah. Aladdin, yeah. Aladdin, and Jasmine, but for the fact that they have tans, are essentially the same generic mold of any Prince Charming or princess yeah. in in a Disney. Movie. Jafar is very Arabic looking. Yes. I believe I believe that actually the animators said that Aladdin was based on Tom Cruise, like he was yeah. the. Mm-hmm. Yes. The only movie that used any type of, I don't know, actual design out of their 
Oh, no, um, no. Um, Little Mermaid is, is Alyssa Milano. It's in the documentary. Okay. <laughs> and, and, if you, and, if, and if you look at a picture of 15 year old Alyssa Milano next to Ariel, you're going to go, oh, wow. Yeah, they just drew Alyssa Milano and colored her hair red. Well, that's going to make my stomach hurt if I look at that. It's just Alyssa Milano with I, her hair red. I, I, I'm hoping that's in the show notes or the YouTube version. I'll, I'll put it up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but, um, but my point being, like, Jafar is ethnic. Yeah. Jafar mm-hmm. looks evil because he looks like an Arab. And that's kind of a problem if you. It's a huge problem. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of a problem then. It's super a problem in 2021, you know, when we're trying to reconcile, you know, a post 9 11 world and a post Trump world. And, you know, it, it, it is the coding is definitely there, I'd, I'd say. Yes, absolutely. And, and the thing with like the quote unquote sexy characters, where I was kind of heading with that whole monologue, which I love to do, um, is that the attractive male characters are virtually flawless, Mm -hmm. with the exception of the newer Disney movies. Like, Flynn Rider is a thief, and, like, that's actually a bad thing because that, that, you know, kind of troubles Rapunzel a little bit. That doesn't trouble Jasmine once. She's like, he's a thief. Oh, that's so cute. I want to steal for the children. <laughs> so he he virtually does not have any flaws in her mind. And that goes for pretty much every attractive male protagonist in kids shows and movies, especially Disney. Because if he's pretty, no matter what he does, he's pretty. Ta-da. And yikes. <laughs> it that's has a served me well. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> Like it, it, it's a huge problem that I don't think enough people kind of take for granted. Like I, I nannied over the summer and pretty much every show that I was watching with this little six year old girl that I nannied, I, I spent the whole movie being like, Hey, yeah, I know the princess is cool with that, but that's not actually okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, Hey, that's don't, don't ever let a man do that. Don't kiss hey, sleeping that, girls. Don't ever, don't ever go along with that kind of stuff. Hey, make sure you never do this. Like the, every movie I was like editing the movie in real time because I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a bad example. And like, I'm not going to tell her not to watch it. I'm not going to tell her not to enjoy it. She's welcome to enjoy it. But I'm sure Jack's not going to sit there and be like, yeah, if this guy lives on the streets by himself and steals stuff and gets arrested, you should marry him. Like, mm-hmm. no! <laughs> no! To be fair to Aladdin, to be fair to Aladdin, who is impoverished by a cruel system. Agreed. I'm like a writer who just wanted to enrich himself. <laughs> so... A little, a little bit of a different. Though I suppose Flynn Rider was also an orphan, and his real name is Eugene Fitzherbert. So I mean, like you know, the, 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 I have the, my emotional passes for the Disney princes too. I, I promise you, I love them all dearly. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I don't even love them that much. It's just I, Disney, Disney constructs them in such a way that even the bad things they do aren't really that bad. Um, unless you exactly, like, they're virtually flawless. Yeah. yeah, unless you look at it, like I mean. So what if uh, the beast, you know, takes a woman hostage? He gives her a library. It's fine. He lets her go. <laughs> he only threatened to murder her father. It's not bad, bad. He's got a talking teapot. It's pretty cool. 
mean, look, if my choices were the Beast and Gaston, I would def pick anyone but Gaston, to be fair. Like, yeah, because Gaston is terrible. They're not her only exception of an attractive villain. Now, see, I, I and I disagree on that. I think I think Gaston is an asshole. I think Gaston is um, a, a jerk, an asshole, and stupid. However, he's also right because he's mm-hmm. right about part of it. He's right about hey, let's go kill this thing yes, that is kidnapping kid- our people. But he's yes. not right about <laughs> oh, no, breaking uh, into Bell's home. Yes, he's enti- <laughs> he's a, he's entirely wrong in regards to Bell. But like for the thing that the movie cast him as the villain for is I mean um, is, I think I think the movie cast him as a villain for a lot of things. Especially yeah, okay. misogyny. The misogyny, uh not letting her read, taking away her books, telling her he wants to impregnate her with like a million children and yeah. like have dogs and taking off his shoes just randomly in her house despite not being invited in. Also like it was like the night 18th, 19th century, depending on like how you want to mm-hmm. read Disney's like whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, coming in uninvited to a girl's home when the two of you are oh, he'd alone. Be killed. Yeah, he'd be killed. Not, not, not good. <laughs> yeah. Also, like he threatens to throw her father in the mental institution unless, yeah. like, and it's not and, unless they fuck. Okay. That's that's yeah. what it comes and, down and, to. And, and, unless, <laughs> and, and yeah, and and I mean, like, that's bad enough. Let us not forget that, like, asylums in the 19th century were like real bad. Like, they really, were prison really wards. Bad. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like really so bad. You, so you I think just, the movie judges him for it, though, is what I was getting at. Do you think the movie yes, judges him for it? Okay, yes, okay, good. That's, okay. Why, that's why the Beast is attractive to Belle, because Gaston takes away her books, he gives her a library. Gaston's okay. like, I'm gonna keep you confined to this little house. The Beast is like, go and be free. And sure, like, he made mistakes and I'm not shipping <laughs> the Beast and Belle because um, real gross in its own way. But like, <laughs> in, in you are confined, like, like, narratives, um, Dramatic narratives when you're confined to certain choices there's like mm-hmm. you know not great because it's messy but also like there's the truly horrifying it's like mr darcy ain't that great but on the other hand mr collins is way worse so at least go with the nerd <laughs> with the money who like you're semi-attracted to <laughs> you know i mean all, all in all like one first of all love your anti-gaston passion 10 out of 10 absolutely <laughs> tremendous um but the thing is is the beast is only painted as a better option because he has the tragic backstory tm that mm-hmm. movie absolutely could have framed gaston as the hero if the beast didn't have a backstory and gaston did well if it, it's just sleepy hollow i mean they could it's, it's just tweaking mm-hmm. the movie a little bit makes gaston the hero which is what it's the little, it's the little changes the little mm-hmm. parallels or the little like absences that make someone their choice for that particular narrative mm-hmm. at that time. absolutely and i think that i i think that the whole I, I have so many problems with the way that the beast is written in the old original Beauty and the Beast, even though, yes, in the book, wonderful. Book is wonderful. Disney, you know, tried to make it as PG as possible. Um, but he still, for goodness sakes, like throws a glass on her at her way out. And within yeah. like 24 hours, she's like, oh, well, so what, what you're okay. getting at though is so even what you just said, they PG ified it. Right. And and, you know, especially on this show, especially me. But like, I'll I'll just straight up say stuff And Brooklyn said a little, a little bit ago, you know, well, you know, they're supposed to fuck. Right. Like that's what that, that that's what Beauty and the Beast is really about is like, you know, 
And I get that Disney PGifies it, but even that narrative, I think they're dressing it up as love, you know, and romance. But I, I, but I do still think it's a sexual narrative, especially Little Little Mermaid. Especially Little Mermaid is entirely she doesn't know him. He's the cute boy she saw for ten seconds, like at a distance when she falls in love with him. She's like, you know, she's in the water. Still accurate depiction of as weird as this is going to sound. Mm-hmm. But she's a very accurate description of a horny high school girl. Yeah, I mean, she's absolutely. sixteen in the movie. She's literally sixteen years yeah. old. She mm-hmm. she is a she's a sex driven sixteen year old girl who's going. What's that? Can I get Can I get to that? And That's I have so neat. And I have no problem with that, right? Like, so when that movie came out, when Little Mermaid was released, I was fifteen, right? So I get it. Like, I you know, I was like, yeah, that that scans. I you know, um, her arguments with her father makes sense. But we don't mark. I mean, I watched it at 15, but I think we market the movie to five year olds. Right. Like we do. Yeah. And and I so so what I think is what I think we're doing is now we're 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 selling five year olds, not only a very, a very particular construction of gender, but a very particular construction of sexuality that, yes, I realize Disney is half heartedly trying to do better at today to make money because, sure, let's hint that. Elsa is gay and not doing anything with it. You know, sure. Let's cast two of the biggest bisexual women in media <laughs> to co-star and then get mad when everyone assumes it's going to be a gay narrative. Right, right, right. Oh, and- that made me so upset. I was like, really? You're going <laughs> to cast Evan Rachel Wood and you're not going to make her queer? What? Well, but oh. they don't. But they don't. Right. And 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 people people complain about it. People I've seen so many people complain about, well, why are you forcing, you know, you're forcing the gay agenda to Disney cartoons? Are you? Are you really? Because um, I don't. And yes, I understand that there I understand that it's a homoph- homophobia issue, but I think people do it with just sexuality as well. I think that I don't think Hannah's mom is weird for not wanting her little girl to watch a rape narrative at eight or whatever you were. Right. Like, I don't I think, think that's I think odd. Hannah's mom is a good example of how parents should react to stuff sure. because they're like, hey, this is a strange thing for kids in general to be watching. But in the reality of it, most parents are only uncomfortable with sexual undertones when it's non heteronormative. I don't know if I buy that. I mean, I think they I think they're more I think they're more uncomfortable when it's not heteronormative. But I know a lot of parents who want to pretend that their kids don't have even straight sexual feelings and don't want, I mean, again, I also know a lot of heavily religious people who, you know, Bible about people, but I know a lot of parents who would very, very much not want, you know, not want any, any portrayal of sexuality that they're aware of in their children's cartoons. And they miss the Bugs Bunny thing. And they miss, um, I use, you know, well, we'll talk about some of the weird ones, but like as a kid, I knew Gadget from Rescue Rangers was sexy. I knew, you know, there are a lot of sexy cartoon characters um, when you code a character as not even hyper feminine, but just performatively feminine that I think I, people miss. Yeah, I was going to mention earlier, even my age, that, that late 60s, early 70s Saturday morning stuff. And Scooby-Doo being the prime example of this, suddenly mm-hmm. there were a lot of miniskirts on Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, yeah. So, Daphne so, and know, Velma both. And Velma's the nerd. Yeah, and, 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 I, I, and I find it, and I find it fascinating. She's, she's been adopted by the nerd community as the sex symbol in, in our age. You know, like everybody no, ignores no, Daphne. No, everybody no, no, everybody no, loves Velma. Age. Yeah, and, and everybody ignores Daphne and, and they love Velma, which certainly wasn't the intention in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the Gen Zers now believe that Daphne and Velma 
are coded queer yeah. and we're dating each other. And, and, so that's you can, well, and when you can read that into Freddie as well. And, mm-hmm. and you know, at, at the time, he was the good looking masculine hunk of the show. And mm-hmm. now, now, now he's you, just a mascot. metrosexual good boy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. He's got an ascot. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, do we all do we know that does everyone know that Velma's getting her own series? And yeah, Velma is getting. By Mindy Kaling, um, basically in the vein of Harley Quinn, um, is, um, a grown-up series for Velma is starting starting on HBO next year. I, I had not heard that. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm thrilled to hear this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it very was, important. We should know this. It, it, it yes. was suddenly you know say them as as examples. Suddenly there were a lot of in shows that had you know, like actual human characters as opposed to cartoons, as opposed to anthropomorphism, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there there are many skirts. I mean, that that was being certainly drawn into it in an effort to appeal to that generation, that era. Uh, a lot of weirdness in Saturday morning cartoons and live action. That's when we had that weird children shows like, you know, Puff and Stuff. And, Puff and Stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff that was just a lot of, lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I don't know. I I, I do want to you know move a little bit into some of the weirder because you were talking about the weirder ones. Um, I posted and this was a long conversation between my wife and I because when I was describing what we were going to do before I wrote the blog, she didn't believe me, and then I showed her the picture of Cleo the cat from Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats, and um, I'll, I'll you know that picture was in was on the blog on the call for comments uh, www.voxpopcast.com please subscribe to our vlog but that was a weird one because cleo is very very much drawn she's barely an anthropomorphic animal she's a naked woman with with cat ears and her boyfriend is a cartoon cat because she's supposed to be a cat <laughs> but she's intentionally drawn to be a sexy she, woman of the eighties, toss some leg warmers on her because flash dance. Yeah, yeah, she could. Well, she could have been in cats. You know? Yeah, yeah, she looks like a. Yeah, she looks like in. She looks like she's from the musical Cats. And Riff Raff, her boyfriend, looks like he's from any Saturday morning cartoon. And even as a kid, I knew that was weird. It seemed weird to me. You know, <laughs> um, I knew she was sexy, but again, I, I mean, I, I knew roughly what sex was because you know Daisy Duke. But um, but but it was weird seeing her there. And then so that made me start thinking of, about other characters, you know, the Wayne, you mentioned the Tom and Jerry cartoons who are much more feline esque. But I was thinking Gadget and Chippendale or even Hannah, the, I think to a lesser extent. I don't totally understand the millennial fascination with Robin Hood because, but it's a thing. It, so, it's, but, it's one of my favorite Disney movies, but it's because I, I grew up loving Robin Hood. Yeah. No, I mean, I the fascination with like, them yeah, is sexy. I, yeah. I can't, I can't speak to that really, except that, I don't know, maybe yeah. it's because he sounds like Wesley from the Princess Bride and I don't know. It's an association thing, and foxes are. That's hilarious because yeah. Wesley from the Princess yeah. Bride played a Robin Hood. That is true. Yeah, he yeah. Played tights, yeah. Um, that but... was great. <laughs> but that's much later, right? Like but Robin you know, Hood's from way before the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Maybe this is what makes Robin Hood sexy because all of us are broke, and he steals from the whiny rich, like. That, yeah, I was trying to think of like a really colorful term, but that you know that's good enough. Um, like he steal, like, like they they steal from the like rich who hoard and take and take and take and extract and extract and extract and redistribute the wealth 
to the poor. And I think that is the sexiest narrative of all. Yeah. yeah. So are, but Marion doesn't, and people are in love with with the maid Marion Fox too. But she's not nearly as sexualized as the concept of Robin Hood, at least not today. Well, Maybe I, whenever it was released, well, but it hasn't carried. That, that Robin Hood so plays off of traditional movie versions, Douglas Fairbanks, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that would, that was just such a classic take on the Robin Hood character, that sort of amasculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know the point I'm trying to make there other than that that take on that character was not unique to that movie. Right, right. So borrowed a lot from Ivanhoe now. I say that I've I've read Walter Scott novel, <laughs> which apparently, you know, Hollywood Robin Hood does a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, so, but I was, I mean, I talked about Cleo and then I was also thinking about um, Lola Bunny from Space Jam, who, I mean, it's so I think Space Jam. a sex symbol and that's all right. she did. And I think that, you, I think with Lola, I think you don't have the, you don't have the escape clause that you do with Jessica Rabbit, right? Like with Jessica Rabbit, you say, well, that's, she's there for the dad, you know, like that's, that's what she's really for. The kids are, Lola is there because like Lola's entire plot line in Space Jam is I want to play basketball and I'm going to get to because Bugs wants to fuck me. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. That's and and it's not that he, you know, yes, I realize they sort of represent them getting together with a kiss, but that's because they didn't want to do a sex scene. Bugs is not in love with her. She walks through the door and Bugs wants to fuck her. And that's it. Right. And yeah. frankly, you I'm mean, not clear wait, that I'm Michael sorry. doesn't. I'm sorry. You're, you're telling me that the heart eyes that I've seen cartoons have throughout my entire childhood don't mean that they're instantly in love. I'm telling no. you that when you when, when you when you talk and your your jaw drops open and you can't barely speak and you and Bugs literally makes orgasm face when she wanders by. <laughs> I'm when, saying that's when an not animal love. That makes the auga sound that does right. not mean love. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And when the right. tongue unrolls like a red carpet. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean and, another and, shout to the mask right there. There you the, go. Well, well, the mask, but uh, the mask is taking Tex it from, from Tex Avery cartoons, which um, yes. you know, uh, Red Hot, Red Hot Riding Hood, and the Wolf um are now, now Tex is making children's cartoons that he knows are about sex. Like that's there's no there's no doubt about that. And Tex Avery invents Red Hot Riding Hood in 1943, which is way back, and that cartoon. It's for children, but it's about sex. It's about, you know, what if instead of wanting to kill and eat Red Riding Hood, the big bad wolf just wanted to fuck her? That's the plot of the very first one. And then he builds an entire series out of it that runs for a couple of decades and that like informs Bugs Bunny and the very, you know, Bugs Bunny, the mask movie that Brooklyn mentioned, the very way we think of cues for sexualized, you know, eyes popping out of your head when you see a hot woman. That's from that cartoon, right? That's where Tex Avery made that happen. And it's an erection joke. That's what it is. Yeah. So, so. I mean, it's always been there in our in our children's cartoons. It's, you know, Betty, it, Betty Boop was mm-hmm. you know was a sexualized character in mm-hmm. the earliest Fleischer and the Brother times cartoon. even was Olive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not not to the extent of Betty Boop, of course, but there were even times when Olive, you know, had to use her sexuality to divert the bad guys. Right. Talk about right. a cartoon full of like sexual threats of being like kidnapped and like. One saying no. Um, 
Uh, well, I was thinking of like Popeye, but yes, Peppy Le Pew too. <laughs> we were thinking of what? Uh-huh. Popeye, like Popeye. like all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Peppy Le Pew. I think I said this in the blog. Peppy Le Pew is a storyline about the hero trying to rape the unsuspecting villain. That's the entire cartoon. I mean, no, sorry, dark, the, 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 right. the, the unsuspecting victim. Um, that's the entire cartoon. It's that's that's what she is. You know, um, uh, uh, Penelope Pussycat, I think is her name. And she's just trying to live her life. She's just trying to wander around. And, and he's constantly stalking her, won't leave her alone, won't obey yeah. the PFA. There's there is nothing. <laughs> There is nothing good about him that like one, I mean, in Brooklyn, you talked about, you know, things that you tell the, the, the little girls you babysit. Do not fall for Pepe Le Pew. This is he's he's reprehensible. Like, there's Man, not- you should have heard me watching Twilight with that child. <laughs> she was like, my mom lets me watch Twilight. And I was like, well, you're about to hear the undercover version. You're going to you're by the end of the movie. I had a six year old going. <sighs> All the characters are so annoying. They shouldn't be together. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and man, I would watch that movie every day of the week. So this is not coming out of a place of hate. This is coming out of a place of love and criticism. Well, uh, since we're on that, uh, you know, I never, I never fail to get angry when I think about in Eclipse when Jacob kisses Bella without her consent and her father like laughs over the fact that she broke her hand punching him. Her father laughs, her husband's chill with it, and then Jacob dates the child. Yeah. It's real. What? <laughs> I, I just, Hello? Well, we, we've talked about Twilight in the show before, but yes. see, Twilight and Twilight's one of those weird ones. Twilight's one of those ones where you had alternately either people like mothers loving it with their daughters and everybody else saying, well, this is inappropriate for children as though as though we hadn't been showing children Pepe Le Pew ca- cartoons for the last you know 60 years. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that's mm-hmm. the thing is like it's almost about context in the sense of like Edward spends the entire movie and series and every book and every millisecond that annoying person has going (laughs) i'm evil (sighs) um which to me has two two actions there part of it is holding the character responsible for their flaws and part of it is going you should excuse men for these flaws if they're cool um is, is you can look cool? at that in two different ways <laughs> yeah I, I, go ahead no no no. that was all i had to say was okay. like you can look at that well, in two different ways because yeah. people make both arguments well and i i think some of it with cartoons much like the problem comic books have is just culturally they have been coded as for children and as mm-hmm. a result i think adults don't look at them as critically they're not looking for that stuff because it's for kids and not, they're not paying any attention mm-hmm. he's yes. got a bowl of cheerios he's in front of the tv i what he's watching watching a skunk i don't know but usually when we make that argument when we say stuff like that when we point that out we're usually trying to defend watchmen right or, or something like that or yeah. we're, we're saying yeah not all car- comic books are for children mm-hmm. you know like if safe area garage does not it's one of the greatest comic books ever written <laughs> you should not show this to your child it's a horrible right a- absolutely horrific yeah. war uh, you know war memoir that's brilliant but it's not for kids right but Pepe Le Pew is, right? And you're absolutely right. I'm thinking because that is the cultural perception, just that entire concept dismissed in the minds of many people. Certainly in the mm-hmm. 60s when I'm watching Pepe Le Pew in the morning, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. like no, nobody was like, it's a cartoon, it's for kids, whatever. No, you know, I, I think just so many adults just weren't, you know, TV as babysitter. 
parents weren't paying attention to content. It's a cartoon. How bad can it be? As long as there was no blood or orifices, no one really cared what was shown. People could get hit by trucks and thrown off yeah, buildings yeah, and yeah. have their head crushed and go into a room, shut the door, and harks pop out, and that yeah, was mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, and that's it. The violence was so much more over the top than any sexuality we're talking about. I, yeah, I, and, I, and both were excused in the same manner of like, well, I didn't show anything. So like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, it, it went for all things that now parents love to be up in arms about when in reality, like they watched it growing up. I can't say whether it's a good or a bad thing, whether it's helpful or unhelpful. I think it I think it more depends on how the adults handle the subject after their kids watch it than what's being shown. Honestly, no, no, you're right. And I, I, I've told this story on the show too. Like my parents originally didn't let me watch Pocahontas because of its historical inaccuracies. And they didn't want to uh, have me experience an alternate version of history and misunderstand tragedies and horrors inflicted upon atrocities. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents are great. I want to like take them out to lunch. What's going on? Yeah, they're, they're like so truly, like my mother, uh, legit, she bought me a book um, about like, Pocahontas, and it took me through everything from like childhood to the fact that she was like first into like version to Christianity and like changing her name, and then I like I think I didn't see Pocahontas until I was actually a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. They also, you know, like, like you know, uh, by the time I was a kid, like there were cartoons specifically for adults, like The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, Watch that either, except that one time my dad and I snuck around behind my mom's back. Um, but now it's on Disney Plus, and I watched some old episodes. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see why mom didn't let me watch this because this this is not play well now. Yeah, um, yeah. I grow, growing up in the country, I you certainly affected me. I was just. We had guns in the house, which is a good thing, because I was afraid feral skunks were going to come fuck my cat. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I love that. But I don't know that you're obviously you take it seriously. But Wayne, you even said it's being excused because it's the children's thing, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I've never been the one to blame. And if you've been, if you've listened to the show before, you know, I refuse to blame behavior on people's, you know, absorption of content. I'm a writer for a living. I'm not that powerful. I wish I was right. Like if I could, if I could affect how people behave just by giving media, the world would be a much better and more math centric place. Right. But I can't like, and I, and I don't think that you're going to, if, if you could do that, you could be president. Right. Ooh. Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't have the energy to be president. I mean, I'm ready. Um, I, I mean, I've joked about it before, but Oh God, you know, like remember I, I wanted to start a cult, but my idea of a cult is just, you know, we'll all live in the mountains and I just don't don't bother me. I won't bother you. I just kind of want a bunch of, you know, I just want peace and quiet. This is what, you know, Hawk just want to be left alone. Right. (laughs) That's where I am. But I don't think that you're going to become a rapist just because you watch Pepe Le Pew cartoons. Right. I don't think you're going to become slutty 
just because you watch Little Mermaid, right? Even no, but if I you, think if your parents watch you watch that stuff and look at you and go, that's what a real man acts like. You know, a real man pursues his woman. It's the context. It is the sure. nurture around it. So if I that's agree. The case, it's not the thing. It's the so, nurture. So we need to get rid of sucky parents, right? Like, I understand that. <laughs> like, <sighs> like I, I agree that there are sucky parents in this world or it's not even parents. There are sucky people in this world who are a problem. I, I, I get that. And who who give children the wrong idea is right and you know brooklyn you even said probably most parents don't talk to their kids about the things that you want them to talk about they leave it up to the schools Mm -hmm. mine did but 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 it's but it varies right and when i look at something like the question of little mermaid right and i think that you know having watched it recently it is not overtly sexual right like i'm I, I'll read stuff into it because this is what we do, right? But you have to, like, it is coded as romance, not as sex. But then, even on the more progressive side, people will watch it. Well, we shouldn't show kids this because it gives it gives kids wrong ideas of how relationships should work and stuff. And I'm like, does it? Because I don't, I don't know that I believed in children's cartoons in the messages of children's cartoons at five or six. Any more than I believe that cats could talk, you know. Like yeah, I, 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 I understood agree the fiction of it. It's the state of disbelief, mm-hmm. right? The fact that they are animated, that there are singing fish, that there are octopus hybrid women, whatever mm-hmm. it is that causes that state of disbelief, is enough to allow children to separate fact and fiction. It, right? It's, it's play. It's, it's what children do. Yeah. It, the it, the it's, only it's children that are going to take those things to heart are children that have emotional and social disabilities and those parents are already doing their job of monitoring and having those conversations and you know like i mean i'm a grown man now right and my favorite two television shows are you know one about a witch lady married to a robot and (laughs) and the and the other is about archie fucking as much as he possibly can right those are the two shows (laughs) those are the shows that i love to watch on tv right And, and 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 i understand that they're fictional and I don't think my brother, my brother called me um, three weeks into WandaVision saying, hey, I know you're watching the show. Um, my niece, his daughter, is a massive superhero fan. And um, she, she's the one who's been on the show uh, that we we played the little the clip of, you know, her talking about stuff a while back. Sophia. But Sophia is a huge superhero fan and she has uh, she has her own TV. She has access to Disney Plus, but she knows that she has to, you know, she's 10 and she my, they have a role that she can only watch approved stuff. Like once something's been approved, she can watch as many episodes of it as she wants, but she has to ask first, right? Um, and she's a bright kid. She was, you know, um, so he called me, you know, he's like, you're watching this WandaVision show. Is it okay for her to watch and I was like I guess and he goes, he's like well is it age appropriate and then that became a hard question for me as someone who doesn't have children but who knows my you know I know my niece very well and it's like is it age appropriate I mean I think it I don't know about for every 10 year old certainly for her like she'll be fine like you know yeah, um, I think anything I wonder she'll be bored hard. about it it's a yeah but she's you know she's known like 
Okay, when Sophia was five, her fucking hero was, was Darth Vader because she Fantastic. loved the Star Wars movies and Darth Vader is the best person in them. And she would sit there. Now, her older sister, who's like four years older, was terrified of Star Wars movies and wasn't allowed to watch them when Sophia was five and, and Nevaeh was nine because, you know, she was just more affected by it. But Sophia would watch them and cheer for Darth Vader to kill people. Look, he's choking them. That's so cool. You know, <laughs> but she knows that, like, she's not supposed to root for the bad guy in real life. She's watching a movie. She's not yeah, stupid. She, she's know? idolizing the fact that someone can do something that she thinks is cool. She's also admiring the aesthetic of the character, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah he's got I a laser sword. Growing up. Yeah, he's Speaking got a laser sword, my magic villain. powers, and he and and an all a snazzy all black robot outfit. Like, how do you yeah. not love Darth Vader? <laughs> well, that's how I felt about like Harley Quinn and Shigo from Compossible, as I was like, look yes. at these women. They've got cool hair, they've got bright colors, they've got cool suits on. Everybody thinks they're awesome and they kill people. I thought that was incredible. And like, not because I had like, you know, a bad taste in, in the humans I interacted with. It was just <laughs> I understood that those people weren't good people, but they were cool characters. Kids can separate characters from people. Mm-hmm. So also, does just what a fantastic show. Kim Possible. Was just- oh, God, I love that show. That was one of the last ones that I was wondering about, because I think Kim Possible is very indicative of and we're going to have to really do a male gaze episode um, one of these days, but um, more so than the one we did about She-Ra. Kim Possible is indicative of this formula because she is I wouldn't say she's hypersexualized. I'd say she is appropriately sexualized for a character that is supposed to be a 15, 16 year old girl. Agree. Um, she dresses how 15 and 16 year old girls at that time and today dress. Yes. Soft tops, cargo mm-hmm. pants, little bit of makeup. Sometimes her hair is up. Sometimes it's down. And mm-hmm. when she has to do physical activity, she likes to be a little bit more comfortable. She's dressed and, like a teenager. Yeah. And, and she is, I would argue, appropriately sexual for a 16 year old teenager because in fact, more than appropriately, because I don't think the show and I've not seen every episode. You guys have probably seen more of them, but I've never seen the show explicitly sort of argue that she's having sex, even as much as I think Bugs Bunny does. Right. Like, no, she's she, interested she only in boys. Kissed, like twice. Right. Right. And, she's and, interested, yeah, and but she, not like she and uh, Eric. Eric is the evil villain. Ron? Yes, she and Ron, like Eric is the evil villain who she is sexually attracted to. But then realizes that it is not on the outside what is important but once again going for the nerdy best friend and ron date for the whole last season it's and it's not that much different than like when they were friends from mm-hmm. my memory which i guess i just need to read i know how the no, excuse it, to no, it, you're absolutely right it shows a very healthy relationship of like hey you can hold hands with a guy that you were friends with and you guys are dating and that doesn't mean you have to you know, sit on his lap. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you guys have to spend all this time alone in secrecy. You continue to enjoy your life as individuals and together. But it and also really doesn't mean healthy. that you can't. Because I know there, I know there is um, one episode, and it might be the film where um, where she needs to change into her secret agent outfit, and they're together. So he makes she makes him turn around. Yes, and it's very you know like. She very clearly got naked in front of him, but he's not watching, right? Like, which is. And he respects her boundaries. 
Right, right. I'm I'm praising both characters, right? Like yeah. it is a you know he respects her boundaries. There's a consent issue that is dealt with. There is, but there is a recognition of the sexual nature of what she's doing. Yes. that is handled well. It's a, she couldn't leave. They were about to go on a mission, right? This is how things had to be. Yes, my and I think that that sets really good boundaries for like the age group that was watching it. Like I was not in high school whenever I was watching it. I was in elementary school, and for me, it was like, oh, boys should turn around when I get changed. Okay, yeah, like yeah. it was. <laughs> it it normalized the fact that like, oh, there is something sexual about that. So you should make sure you have boundaries that people respect. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfectly executed. Yeah, that's kind of. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I, I look at, I look at Kim Possible, and I don't know. This is one that I don't know enough of the complaints about. So if you guys do, let me know. But the way she dresses, which cargo pants, bare, you know, tight bare midriff T-shirt, um, a little bit of makeup, you know, primped hair, like you said, right. Mm-hmm. Her, sta- her standard outfit and she's I've seen her also wearing special outfits for special occasions right yes but the way that she is dressed and Wayne I, you'll probably know where I'm going with this reminds me of the shit storm that came out with the with the J. Scott Campbell cover of Riri Williams Ironheart when they first introduced that character because there was a point when they introduced Ironheart this black girl who takes over um, as sort of a mentee of Tony Stark, and she's t- takes over the Iron Man um, book for a while. She's an armored superhero like Iron Man, and in her secret identity, she was wearing yoga pants and a crop top. Um, and she was supposed to be fifteen, and like they, and there was pushback because why are they sexualizing this fifteen-year-old black girl? You know, the, she's not supposed to have her hypersexual like that. And I remember looking at her at her and going at the time, like literally at the time, she looked exactly like my cousin's daughter, who at the time was sixteen. <laughs> like, I was just like, you look exactly like my cousin. That's. How 15 and 16 year old girls look. If you don't understand that, just look at a high school. That's how you're dressed. So that's where I, to go back to the top of the episode, that fear was what I was talking about when you want to pretend that, you know, 15 year olds don't have sexuality. I was totally tried to trying to get laid at 15. Right. I like that was, I had a girlfriend. That was my goal. (laughs) You know, like, so, and, and frankly, I wanted to, when I was 13, and I didn't understand it, but I wanted to when I was eight. I didn't know what it meant, <laughs> but I was aware. And I don't think that's un- I don't think that's weird. I don't think it's necessarily weird to not want to either to like, you know, not be ready. But I, I don't think, think it's a, weird at all. Right. But I think there's a, a reasonable fascination with it to I don't think pretending that Lola Bunny or Jessica Rabbit is wrong helps. So we resolve nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not. I mean, we, I, yeah, sounds about we never, right. Never it. Um, yeah, I guess this is why this show will just keep going until we're dead. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I'll keep coming back for that. Yeah, and I, I think you know, all of this, I like like so many of our episodes, just you know, talking it out, analyzing, it, looking at it, uh, find it. I don't know if there is ever anything to resolve. That just seemed like a good place to say it. <laughs> Yeah, my, my biggest resolution to this is just talk to your kids about what they're yeah. watching. Don't micromanage yeah. what they're watching. Just talk to them. Yeah. 
I think have Brooklyn's conversations right. with your spawn for gosh sakes they came out of you <laughs> well i think i think you're right though right like that's the the issue especially with young girls it's a cultural problem but with young boys as well the issue isn't so much that kids are or aren't sexually aware it's that adults fear childhood sexuality it's because they think that the only settings for children are jojo siwa or your shows like Euphoria and Riverdale. They don't right. think that there's a gray zone that exists in between the two of those. They think kids are either crazy sex fiends or they wear neon colors and have never shown skin before. Right, right. And I and I guess, you know, I guess the the gray zone is Kim Possible. Yes. You know? Or Little Absolutely. Mermaid. I mean, frankly, Little Mermaid, just again, to plug the to, to plug the damsel show, which I think I'll actually link them in the show notes, even though Andrew's not on this episode. Andrew and Kester aren't on this episode, but they're doing this deep dive analysis of Little Mermaid for um, for 90 straight weeks and or no, for 90 straight episodes. And one of the things that they that we talked about a lot when when I was on the show a, few, um, a couple of weeks ago was how massively concerned with the idea of consent prince eric is like the entire point of kiss the girl is eric not being sure if he's allowed to kiss this girl he likes who can't talk being too dumb to ask her to ask her and see if she nods her head yes you know because because she can clearly hear she just can't speak but he's not sure so he very intentionally doesn't make a move and he does the same thing earlier when he's like well you know we could go out on a date we could go to for dinner we could go for a walk if you want to eric is always sort of i think it's you know it's 1989 so i don't know that they would have called it a consent issue so much as a gentlemanly issue but it's the same thing right he's trying to respect her agency and personhood in a way that i don't that was probably relatively unique for an 80s cartoon. I would agree with that completely. Mm -hmm. And I think Kim Possible continues that. And I think a lot of stuff does, right? Like, like I, you know, Anna and Kristoff's relationship in Frozen is sexual. And if you can't see that as a parent, go watch it again. You know, in Frozen 2, they're clearly doing it, you know. Um, Yeah, but who wants to watch Frozen 2? Let's be honest. It's not a good movie. I like. No, it's not. There's parts I like. (laughs) Terrible animation, terrible movie. Another episode. Um, Also, you know, I'll I'll fight you on that. Bring me in for that episode. I'm ready. But, but yeah, so much. But, um, but the point being, well, the, the only point I was making is they have a healthy sexual relationship for two 18 year olds. We did talk about on the episode, but I think Danny Phantom also like, uh, like has a similar kind of like thing is Kim possible. Also mm-hmm. from my yeah. memory, American mm-hmm. dragon, Jake long. Oh, absolutely. American dragon, Jake long. He was great. I'm also a little bit biased because anything that Dante does especially voice wise I'm just a huge fan of shout out to Avatar The Last Airbender uh, we didn't talk about all which uh, you know that that um, has a lot to unpack there oh well because we need a sequel yeah we're gonna have to do we're definitely gonna have to do more of these I'm sure we would have anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brooklyn thanks for coming on once again you know you're always here to talk about sex and cartoons it seems to be your thing <laughs> the only reason you invite me on don't act like this is a me problem this it's is you when problem. you comment you read the blog that's the one you have something to say on <laughs> you're right you're not wrong <laughs> um, but anyway thanks for coming anything you want to plug um 
Follow my business on Instagram and Facebook, Moments by Mincone. I'm a photographer for an obnoxiously low price, and my pictures are beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be linked in the show notes. Uh, Palindrome Hannah. Uh, you can find me here. Uh, <laughs> next week to hear us talk more about Bridgerton. Yes. And- well, yeah, that's the homework. Everybody go home. If you haven't watched Bridgerton yet, go home, watch it, or you're at home. This is 2021. Nobody's going anywhere. So watch Bridgerton and then go listen to our first Bridgerton episode and then come back here next week to um, to discuss it and celebrate Hannah's birthday. Oh, nice. That's mm-hmm. what they're giving me for my 30th birthday. <laughs> and Wayne. I'm mostly here. <laughs> you, you can link my Instagram and the Twitter I never use. Uh, anyway, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, always at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we talk about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. Kent, it's Bridgerton. Um, and you can leave us comments with your thoughts so that we can address them on the show. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts from. And leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show, especially if you don't just leave a rating, but if you write a little review, yeah, tell us that, you know, yeah, you did remind me of how much I wanted to have sex with cartoon characters when I was a little kid. So we want to know that, you know, let us know five stars and let us know. And then, you know, also leave us a comment. Tell us who your favorite um, sexualized cartoon characters were. You know, we talked about a few of them and do us a favor. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. If you subscribe and ring the bell and do other stuff, I don't know. We need a whole bunch of subscribers before we get monetized. And I just want to know what happens, you know, when those features get unlocked. And plus, you know, money's nice. I don't know. But subscribe to the show on YouTube. And I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. I'd like to thank Brooklyn for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.